0: welcome back to single-minded i am your host hannah first
1: and i'm your co-host linda so you have a funny story for us today do you well i don't know that it's hilarious but it has been a big week at the first household with your sister having a baby i know i'm sure people know but in my day one would stay in hospital for, you know, five days if you were really pushing at seven. So I actually couldn't believe she came home the next day Mm. and seems pretty calm. But actually, I've been experiencing weird anxiety. Okay. So today I dropped milk and coffees on their front doorstep at about 7 a.m. Oh,
0: why didn't you drop coffee at my doorstep?
1: I knew that it caused (laughs) trouble. So I texted them and said, you know, I've left coffees outside so that they didn't go and make one and I didn't hear anything. (sighs) So then I was going for a walk (sighs) at 9 a.m. and I was wondering and I thought, just not feeling comfortable about (sighs) this. So I headed over. (gasps) Yes. On foot, thinking, well, the coffees all have been taken in. Nope. They were still outside. So then I started to worry, why are they all asleep? Like at nine o'clock. So I got home and I said, This is what I wrote, Hi guys. <sighs> To both of them sorry I have anxiety oh. just walk past and you guys don't seem to be up just let me know when you're awake and all okay <laughs> yeah and then I was thinking well I've got keys to the house should I just let myself in I thought I'm actually going crazy so finally at 10am I get a text back sorry we just woke up thanks for the coffee and I thinking about this I mean I had three babies and I really don't remember this level of worry so I got online hoping to find some help (laughs) and I've (laughs) I've read that it can be more overwhelming when it's your child's child rather than your own children so that was interesting why is that (laughs) I don't know it's just it's a very different feeling it's not a feeling I was expecting at all so then I got on to searching anxious grandmothers and then all these weird things came up. So how to stop worrying about grandchildren. Obsessive yes. grandmother <laughs> syndrome. When, <laughs> when grandparents interfere with parenting and when a grandchild doesn't like grandma. And, I mean, there are so many issues I had never thought of.
0: I actually was going to say that it's really funny when I went over for the first time to meet the baby, I, like, burst into tears, but I heard you weren't emotional at all. No, I wasn't. It was so <laughs> surreal that this that this baby was real.
1: It, you weren't emotional at all. No, I, I became very anxious. I know. Oh. I can't explain it. It's
0: really interesting at the moment because the baby's here and I just, for anyone that's feeling this as well, I'm just not ready to have a baby. I just know it. <laughs> I think I want to, but I'm just not ready right now. It's mm. made it really clear to me yes, that yes. I need to go and travel and like, yeah, I'm just not ready. I think I said to you the other day, I said, I just want to be alone right now. I just really, mm. really like my own company and I just want to like be alone and I, I, I actually think I want to be alone until I'm ready to have babies. Is that weird?
1: Nope? No nope and when you go around and you see the lack of sleep it's understandable Mm.
0: well let's get into the interview on vulnerability mum's had a lot of trouble doesn't (laughs) really know what to say or the other day she's like i don't even know what vulnerability means
1: (laughs) so let me tell you i've googled it still hasn't helped
2: (laughs) okay we'll be back
0: I'm very excited to welcome back Vanessa Storb. She joined us on one of our best performing episodes about loneliness, and she is a psychologist based in Melbourne, and she's back to chat about my favorite topic at the moment, vulnerability. Welcome back to Single Minded.
2: Thanks, Hannah. Thanks for having me back on.
0: So we have a lot to cover off, and it's a big topic. So I want to start with... We hear the word vulnerability thrown around a lot. What does it actually mean?
2: Yeah, good question. We do hear it thrown around a lot. Essentially, vulnerability is when we're in a state where we're exposed or we feel we're at risk in some way. So it's that nervous kind of butterflies, maybe heart racing, sometimes out of control feeling we can get when we are in a situation where maybe the outcome feels uncertain, where we feel at risk. And yeah, where we feel emotionally exposed. I was about to say emotional exposure. <laughs> Absolutely. We can also feel very vulnerable too physically if something is going on with our health. If we have a prolonged physical illness or we've got something going on in our body and you know, we're waiting for a diagnosis, that can make us feel very physically vulnerable. And also financial vulnerability too is a big one. And that's obviously been a, a bigger issue for people during the pandemic as well, where we feel at risk and feel exposed and, and are not sure of the outcome. So, yeah, it's, it's that overall feeling of being at risk, being in a situation where we're out of our comfort zone, where we don't always know what the outcome's going to be and feeling a little out of control. Mm.
0: So, I think if we, for the purposes of this, if we look at sort of that emotional vulnerability and that emotional exposure, I think... The way that you described it of like, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. That's the feeling. Like you're putting your feelings on the line and you just don't know what the response is going to be. What is vulnerability like not? What does that not
2: include? Vulnerability doesn't include oversharing, telling everyone everything about yourself as soon as you meet them or TMI on a first date. It's definitely not that vulnerability is also not about taking risks where we're unsafe yeah if we don't feel safe in a certain situation it's really important to be able to know that and to understand that and to know when it's appropriate to share information about yourself and to know when it's not so vulnerability or sharing if you like without boundaries is not vulnerability Mm,
0: yep yep So, I guess, on to like, why is being vulnerable and open important to forming deep and fulfilling connections?
2: It's incredibly important. It's at the core of forming a really meaningful connection with someone because when we're vulnerable with another person, we truly give them the opportunity to know who we are. Mm -hmm. And it also gives us an opportunity to also know the other person and and all the parts of who they are. And it's through knowing all the parts of each other that we can truly connect on a much deeper level with one another. And, And that's the real core of having very deep and very meaningful connections with other people.
0: Yeah. Do you think that a lot of people struggle? I mean, people that you see in therapy and that sort of thing, do you think people really struggle with opening up and showing who they really are?
2: yeah yeah they absolutely can and this is work that i often do with people uh, for all different sorts of reasons but it certainly is something that people do struggle with it's not something that comes naturally to to many people and it can feel scary it can feel really anxiety provoking for some people to share more of themselves and to be their more natural selves around other people
0: yeah Mm. on to sort of when we're dating why do you think some people stay in the safe zone? I mean, as you mentioned, like, I was going to say, what I do on a first date? There's no life stories or like deep personal information, but it's more about like, I want to reveal something true about myself. There has to be like some truth in what I'm saying. And I guess I find, you know, occasionally you'll, you'll meet people that only ever stay in the safe zone and they find it really hard to go any deeper than just very surface level conversation. And I remember going on a date with this guy and yeah, it was like there was this big wall up and like, not that it couldn't get further than that, but I feel like I've experienced that wall up. So, why do you think some people always stay in that safe zone?
2: Yeah, look, it's a really great question. I think there's a few reasons. So, gender is part of it so sometimes mm. particularly when we refer to men perhaps they haven't learnt from a young age how to share how they feel and what they think in a safe way I suppose or encourage or discourage to share differently to perhaps how young girls are and look I'm seeing that changing as a lot of you know with this newer generation of men I work with some wonderful men that are very in touch with how they feel and yep. so I can certainly see that changing but I certainly think there's a gender base for that I also think too that a person's life experiences can really shape how vulnerable and how open they are as an individual so mm-hmm. parenting styles how an individual's parented how they received love and affection from their parents or primary caregivers growing up the attachment that they form so attachment theory we can talk about that is a way of describing our attachment style and how we relate to others so our attachment style and what we learn from a young age can influence how we relate to others as adults i also work with people that have mental health issues or that have issues with shame Mm. self-esteem self-worth issues that find it really hard to open up and to share because they don't feel so great about themselves and often don't feel like they have a lot to offer There's also another group of people too that have also had quite distressing or traumatic experiences where they have been vulnerable when they have shared and trusted with another person. So whether it's been a past relationship, any domestic violence experiences or even just yucky experiences as part of the dating process that can cause people to put a bit of an armor up and yeah. be very cautious about sharing again in the future so that becomes a bit of a protective behavior The not sharing this becomes a bit of a protective yeah. behavior to try and manage any anxiety about being harmed again or being rejected again so that there can be Depending on the individual, there can be lots of variables about why people find it hard to to open up. Mm,
0: I feel like the rejection thing must be a big one. I've experienced this and it's like been something that I've had to work through, which is like if I reveal who I really am to this person, what if they reject the person that I really am? And that's a really, I think, scary thought for people.
2: Absolutely. It is a really scary thought. And I think that's what makes us human. That's part of our humanness is that we do care what other people think. Yeah. But, you know, as a counter thought, we can also, by sharing with someone else and and being our true selves, we can also then get to experience, well, if this person does reject me, then they're not my person.
0: Yeah, I agree. Because I need
2: to be around people that embrace all of me and celebrate all of me rather than make me feel bad about who I am.
0: Yeah for me, it's like with vulnerability and particularly in dating, you know, being vulnerable with people that you already know or existing relationships. And I feel like getting more vulnerable deepens the existing relationships that you have with the people that you already trust. I, I've i done that and it's an amazing experience. I guess where I I think the trouble for people comes is, and particularly I have experienced this, is it's like the chicken or the egg. So, like it's really hard to form a connection without being somewhat vulnerable, maybe not telling your whole life story. But I guess when you're dating, it's really hard to know who can you trust this is a new person like I guess there's got to be a bit of a balance between showing a part of yourself that's real but then not showing too much like how do you kind of balance those two things
2: it's tricky and it's a great question and I think it's harder with online dating these days too you're meeting someone online you're not necessarily meeting them as a friend of a friend so if you meet someone through someone you know, there's that general understanding, well, they're a trustworthy person, you have a background on them, and I think that makes it easier to share. But when you're starting from scratch and meeting online, it can feel tricky. I think start by sharing small parts of who you are, information that you're comfortable with, and just slowly building on that. I think a person's reaction can be very telling. So how they respond as you slowly share more and more about yourself is it a kind response is it a sensitive response just their general way that they're relating to you can be a good indicator about is yeah. this person trustworthy and can I start to open up and share a little bit more with them it can also be good too to go on dates that give you an opportunity to see how they relate to others Go on dates perhaps where you're trying a new activity that's outside both of your comfort zone and
0: yeah. sharing
2: a little bit more with them. So if you decide you're a person that doesn't really like roller coasters but, you know, you're at Luna Park together and you think, why not, let's jump on and you share with them, look, roller coasters completely freak me out but I'm willing to give it a go. Their response yeah. to you feeling anxious and feeling really nervous about going on that roller coaster and how they respond to you while you're on the roller coaster, that those real subtleties can really give you an indicator of, how kind this person is? How understanding they are? Are they someone that I can trust? If they're mocking you, or making you feel bad about being anxious, well, that's going to cause you to withdraw and think, well, maybe this is not a person that I can open up to a bit more because their responses really aren't aligned with what I need.
0: Yeah, I think the really that the balancing act of it because I made a decision like I wanted to be more vulnerable. So I was obviously practicing a lot. And I think that, you know, when you've opened up too quickly, like you have a really icky, icky feeling. And I've done that. And you get... And it's like I had to get to a place where I was like, okay, this is what I'm okay sharing in the first three dates, and this is what I'm not okay. I just knew that icky feeling. I was like, no, that was too much. Do you think people can like trust their gut on those sorts of things?
2: Absolutely. And it's a great way to describe it. It is that yucky, icky feeling that we get in our gut. And I think our bodies are great at telling us when a situation feels uncomfortable And I think if you can really tune into how your body is responding and feeling in certain situations, it really can then help you understand, well, is this situation feeling safe for me and I can be open and share more? Or, yeah, do I get that icky feeling and something's a bit uneasy and my heart's racing a little bit and, yeah, there's just something just a bit off and a bit uncomfortable and, and maybe I'll step back and won't share so much. So, yeah, our body really does tell us often when we're in situations that feel a bit icky or a bit unsafe.
0: Yeah. So, you mentioned a bit about childhoods. Do you think people that struggle with vulnerability weren't taught how to express their feelings
2: as children? I mean, this is a really big topic in itself. Yeah. So, the way children are raised, the way parents relate to children can absolutely shape how they relate to others so if children are raised in homes where parents are dismissive or don't necessarily attend to their needs in a sensitive way don't encourage emotional sharing don't talk about things openly then people can grow up not having those skills if you like um, or not being comfortable being open and sharing with others so there certainly is a component a big component with how we attach to our parents and how we relate to them, and then how we bring that attachment style into our adult relationships. So uh, psychiatrists have coined uh, attachment theory, Mary Aiken and John Bowlby. So if you can understand your attachment style and you can understand potentially your your date's attachment style, yeah. partner's attachment style, then it, it helps you understand each other a bit better. This is often the type of work that we do in relationship counselling to understand attachment styles and love languages and see if there's compatibility and and, and what needs to shift and change. So a secure attachment style is someone that feels very secure, they're open, they're trusting, they readily trust others, they readily receive trust and love. They generally don't have much of an issue with forming, you know, deep and meaningful attachments with others. So that's kind of the attachment style that we're, we're all after, and you know, because it, it's, it's the gold standard of attachment style. Yeah. We don't always have that secure attachment style all the time across situations, but generally adults that have a secure attachment style have developed that from early in childhood. So they've had caregivers yeah. that have been very loving, very consistent, very warm and very appropriate in their responses to them. With anxious attachment style, so people that have an anxious attachment style really fear abandonment and can often be seen as quite needy and quite dependent in their relationships and can become very preoccupied with their relationship and can be, become very preoccupied with the thought that their partner is going to leave them at some point. So this anxious attachment style really fears abandonment. They want to be loved and they do want to be close and they they do want to be in relationships, but there's this constant anxiety in the background humming away that my partner's going to leave. Avoidant attachment style. So this is probably the attachment style where you notice the wall coming up.
0: Mm. People
2: are having more of an avoidant attachment style, also have a fear of abandonment, but the armour, if you like, that they put on is that they decide to not get too involved with other people, so they're highly independent they can maybe be seen as a bit, uh, you know, someone that doesn't like to, sh- to share, doesn't like to really go deep, and yeah. they avoid basically forming really intimate and, and meaningful connections. We yeah. then have the fearful avoidant attachment style. This is a little bit more rare, and it's more an attachment style that develops from living you know, as a child in in a home that's very neglectful or where there's a lot of abuse and violence. So it's a combination mm. of the anxious and the avoidant attachment styles. So it can be good to to look up attachment theory, look up those attachment styles, yeah. see which ones you can relate to. And you know, maybe get a bit curious when you are dating someone. Yeah, you know, what attachment style does this person appear to be presenting with? And and knowing your attachment style and knowing what is important to you with regards to what type of person you need.
0: Can you move from one to another? Like Because I would say I was probably avoidant and now I'm moving more to secure. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. That's where therapy can be really helpful. Yeah, I've been in
0: therapy for two years, so that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so it, it is
2: it is absolutely something you can change, so it's not not something that's fixed and permanent, and this is the work that I do in therapy with a lot of people is understanding the impact that their childhoods have had, the impact that perhaps past relationships have had on their attachment styles and learning to relate to others in a more open, more trusting way where they can form more meaningful connections. Mm.
0: so I guess onto that would be for me and it may be different for everyone else like for me I think the thing that I've worked the most on is vulnerability like that was something my therapist was like this is the thing that you need to work on so I guess in terms of feeling that you can trust people opening up and forming like healthy and deep connections with people. How could someone learn these things in adulthood? Are there things that they can do to practice? Where do they start if they feel that they want to like move towards more of that secure attachment style?
2: Yeah, lots of things. We can practice that in our friendship. So, we don't necessarily need to practice it with an intimate partner. So, if you really do fear being vulnerable and, you know, getting close, practicing it with a trusted friend can be a good place to start. Uh,
0: agree with that. That's where I started. Yeah. yeah, really, it really works. Yeah. So
2: just just sharing little bits and pieces about yourself, sharing a bit more, you know, noticing people are responding positively to you. I think the more positive and kind responses we receive when we are being vulnerable, the more confidence that gives us to keep sharing and to feel good about ourselves. And, hey, they're not rejecting me because I've told them this about me and so maybe it's not as bad as what I thought and maybe people won't think less of me. Yeah, So friendships can be a really nice safe space to do that within. Again, working with a therapist, so really understanding from a therapy perspective if you are coming across situations where you notice that you're not being open, you're not sharing bringing those situations into the therapy room and talking them through with your therapist so you can role play you can talk about what you can do differently next time what you can try differently next time so there's that you know supported more structured way of trying to be a bit more vulnerable and open and practicing that in the therapy room before you do that in real life Just sometimes too, even just taking on new opportunities, whether it's a new work opportunity, whether it's taking up a new hobby or interest where you don't know anyone or you're really stepping outside of your comfort zone, that can also be a way to just practice sitting with that icky feeling and that fear of being judged and doing that in a way that feels reasonably safe and, again, literally showing yourself, hey, nothing bad is happening here by doing this new activity or, or by taking on this new work opportunity and people think I'm okay and so maybe it's safe to take some more risks. So just as we go about our everyday and the decisions that we make too, you know, being vulnerable is, not, is never 100% risk-free, mm. but the more we take those risks in a safe way, the more comfortable we get with being vulnerable
0: Mm, yeah, I really agree with the friend thing. Like, because dating's like that's the hardest place I think to open up in those early stages of dating someone. But I feel like it's like a much easier thing to start practicing with friends that you already know and trust and there might be people listening that are like oh i already do that no big deal but for people that hold things close to their like hold their cards close to their chest and don't share a lot about themselves even doing it to a friend would be hard
2: absolutely it is it can be very difficult you know some yeah. people will only show you know their friends what they think they want to see or only show parts yeah. of them yeah. yeah because they are fear of being judged and what will they think of yeah. me and will they still want to spend time with me if I share this piece of information about myself? You know, people can just, rather than having a voice in their friendship group, just be quiet and agreeable. Being vulnerable might be just speaking up and offering more an opinion amongst the group and getting to experience, hey, my opinion is important and people did appreciate hearing that and nothing bad or scary happened when I offered my opinion. I I wasn't judged there.
0: Yeah. So I guess we hear a lot about Well, I thought this, I'm like, Brene Brown is so popular. Like, this must be a topic that people want to know more about. Why would she be so popular, one of the most popular people in the world, if vulnerability wasn't hard for people?
2: I mean, she's the queen of vulnerability, right? Her work (laughs) and her TED Talks and her Netflix series, they really resonate with people. And I I think it's because... It is something that's really hard for a lot of people to do, to be vulnerable. Yeah. It's it's scary. It's really scary. Yeah. Again, it's a skill that you can learn to get more comfortable with. A lot of amazing things can happen when you learn to be a little bit more vulnerable and open and yeah. you, you really, really do form much deeper and meaningful relationships with people generally when you can be more yeah. vulnerable and they tend to be more authentic relationships, less transient mm. and, you know more long-term relationships if you can truly be yourself be vulnerable you're more likely when you do establish whether it's a friendship or an intimate relationship to really establish relationships with people that you're aligned with that embrace all parts of who you are you don't need to hide anything and that's good for our well-being right if we can be completely who we are and feel at ease with people it's good for our confidence it's good for our mental health good for our physical health so there's lots of good stuff that comes with being able to form deep and meaningful connections with others it's Mm. it's a foundation of being of being well mentally and physically Mm.
0: Are there any other resources that you suggest for people that want to learn more about vulnerability? Yeah,
2: look, I mean, Brene Brown, it really is the go-to. She's got some really, really great resources, so I really would recommend.
0: Daring Greatly. I'm halfway through that at the moment.
2: Yeah, there's The Call to Courage, The Power of Vulnerability. Yeah, Daring Greatly. So she has books. She's got, you know, TED Talk, Netflix uh, series, she also has a bunch of stuff online on her website as well. She really is a great resource for, for information yep. on vulnerability. With regard to attachment theory, the Gottman Institute, so that's a relationship counselling website, yeah, a yeah. lot of information about attachment and relationships, which is good. And you can also yep. just look up attachment theory. And, you know, if you want to kind of dig a bit deeper into your attachment style and perhaps understand the attachment style of others, that can also be really useful as well. And attachment theory was founded by John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth, but I can give you those details anyway to... To pop up on your site,
0: yeah. And obviously therapy for anyone that, yeah, that's been the biggest game changer for me for sure. I didn't even know. Like I thought I was fine and then I guess it all came out in therapy and I think what you said about how enriching deep connections and relationships are for your life, like it's – yeah it really is
2: Uh, it helps big time look even the active therapy is is being vulnerable isn't it you know meeting a therapist for the first time and talking about yourself that can make us feel incredibly vulnerable so that's that's kind of the first step in the in the process and your therapist will be able to help you pick up on your attachment style and how you relate to others and and whether that's a help or whether it's a hindrance yeah particular issues that you might be coming across particularly if there's reoccurring themes that you're having whether it's Difficulty in friendships, difficulty with family members, difficulty with dating or, or with an intimate partner. A therapist yep. will be able to help you identify where there are any, perhaps any reactions or ways of relating that you're engaging in that are unhelpful, and and help you shift those, and and help you reframe things, and and develop some different ways of reacting and relating to others. Amazing.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining me again today. It was so lovely to chat. One of my favorite
2: topics. Oh no, me too. Thanks so much for having me on.
0: So, Linda, what did you think?
1: Well, as you've already said, this is a very tricky subject for me, vulnerability, because that word, as I said to you, isn't even in my vocab. So <laughs> I've spent actually a lot of time trying to process this. And if I'm not anxious enough being a grandma, this topic actually made me sick. anxious. Make you feel sick. Uh, because the bottom line is I'm not good at being vulnerable apparently I when I looked up what it was. No. And I think yes. having deep dived, I think it's because of my upbringing.
0: Yes, I agree.
1: So it's sort of it's sort of a thing I'm not really comfortable talking about. Okay. <laughs> And <gasps> oh, Linda's
2: getting real I, I, <laughs> for once. Wow. What's going on? Well, I don't
1: really believe in sort of verbal outpouring of emotions, unlike some <laughs> people. I just can't, but it doesn't mean. That I don't have strong emotional attachments. So I was thinking, how do you know? Because I don't really say, how do you know that I do love you, Hannah?
0: (laughs) Because you never say it. Um, I would say you're more like, so when we think of love languages, You are acts of service. So you like.
1: You nailed it. (laughs)
0: Because you will do anything. Like if I'm not having a good day. exactly
1: what I've written down. It's exactly right. Really? Yes. Go on.
0: Yeah. So you show that you love someone by like doing nice things for them. Exactly,
1: Yeah. So you're not. Actions, not words. (laughs)
0: Yes, 100%. (laughs) That's better because like if I'm not feeling good, you'll drop me off. Off coffee
1: or what about the other day when I upset you with something and I went, I felt so bad. I bought a coffee I the know. next day and I did a, wrote, I wrote sorry, sorry on, on the, the top coffee. with a love heart. That
0: was so <laughs> cute. See,
1: you do show your love thank you well that's what I was hoping you were going to say because that's what I've come to the conclusion that it's it's actions and I was discussing it with Ruby because I didn't want to alert you to all my research yes and she described me which is right as reserved and private although we were laughing why am I on a podcast <laughs> if I'm private yeah uh, so we had a bit of a psychology session and as <laughs> Just you know she is very yeah she's really good at it I was struggling so much so so I had to examine my upbringing and we've decided that's why I don't relate to vulnerability.
0: Yes. Well, uh, look, I don't know that it's really affected you that much. Where you might have come into problems, maybe if you hadn't met Dad at 25, mm. you know, if you were at my age, 32, and still single and were unable to, like, form a connection with a mature, vulnerable man who wanted to like – That's true. You would have a lot of trouble and, like, I think that your – level of community. Like if you were dating in the modern time, like you were my age, I think you'd have a lot of trouble Mm. because you're so closed off (laughs) and you you would have no idea what you're thinking. You would have no idea if you liked the person. I think it would be hard for you to date in modern times.
1: Yes. Well, I think dad had trouble with that himself. He had to really dig down to get to the bottom of it yeah
0: well it's more that you were so young that, like you probably didn't think too much about it and you guys just went along with it but I think you'd be running into problems if if you were single how do you connect with someone in a romantic relationship if you can't reveal you know who you are
1: well, that's what I was having trouble with, <laughs> <laughs> And then I was thinking, because I was brought up with such a super reserved dad, yeah, who wasn't um, really emotional. And then I also sort of felt at home, I'm struggling to go into this, but <laughs> I felt looking back on it, think that my feelings, if I had them, I probably did when I was young, they weren't validated at Aww. home. So,
0: but I do think you're lucky that your brain is in a way that you don't have anxiety, you don't have any mental health. So you're you probably you're probably pretty good at self-regulating your emotions, that you don't need to share your emotions too much. Because you don't you don't have many
1: emotions. <laughs> well, I used to though. You see, I thought back and I thought something that bothers me actually to this day when it pops into my head yep. is that um, my mother read all my diaries when I was a oh. teenager and then Sort of oh. confronted me with all the contents, oh. and I remember it so clearly. That
0: probably still is something that affects you to this day. I still think
1: about it. Mm. I felt sick and mm. and really actually violated, so that I then went outside and burnt them all. And oh. that probably <gasps> no, oh don't don't God. go off.
0: No, because that's like you you probably used your diary to like process your emotions and that was – I
1: wish I still had those diaries to try to understand, but they've gone and I really regret that. And then that sort of led to trust issues obviously. And then there was another thing that came to my mind. (laughs) (laughs) So I – I don't like to say this, but I was actually shamed for having sex with my oh. boyfriend. I was 16. So I just felt I I mustn't have been accepted. I don't. I remember bits and pieces were just not being accepted for who I was, and yep. then there was all this unfair discipline for sort of kind of minor things. So I feel that maybe I shut down, yes, and then 100%. didn't express myself emotionally yep. <laughs> ever again. So I want to say sorry <gasps> oh. to you.
0: No, but but Mum, it's not my fault. But it's not your fault. But you also. <laughs> you've been able to create your family of choice, I guess, with dad and dad's yes. a big support to you. such a support. And he, he's pretty emotionally in touch so he does. He's
1: so in <laughs> touch with his emotions, yes.
0: Yeah, and I think, and I also think you're pretty happy-go-lucky.
1: Yes, for some reason I you came out. You actually
0: came out of it okay. I
1: came out okay but I do get, um, you know, you all have a little laugh at me at my <laughs> lack of. Um,
2: I know. I emotional uh,
1: language <laughs> but it is all there it is inside me I promise
0: <laughs> well even the act of just saying what you've said now is big so I want mm, to I'm acu- I'm I want
1: to show you <laughs> a little bit
0: I want to validate Seriously. I want to validate your feelings and thank you congrat- and and it took a lot
2: of courage Linda
1: to mm. I've opened the box you see I I put everything in a box put the lid on it and pop it aside so today I've opened the box and revealed a couple of things oh I love this for better or for worse I did know Mm. though
0: I did know both those stories so you have to be fair you've already told me most of this stuff correct speaking of vulnerability did you end up watching Ted Lasso
1: Oh, I tried and I'm so sorry. I didn't really like it.
0: (laughs) So Roy Kent, I think, is a really good example of a character that's been written with a lot of vulnerability. And I don't know if you've, you probably haven't seen him. Didn't
1: get to that, no.
0: He is a really good example, I think, of a, a male character that's really in touch with his emotions. And I think what he does is he tells someone how he feels, but he also corrects his behaviour, like he's just a really good example of a male character on television. So if you haven't seen Ted Lasso, like Colin Farrell is out, Roy Kent is
1: in. Oh, you've changed. Right.
0: 100% obsessed, obsessed with Roy Kent.
1: Okay. I'll give, well, I'll try to give it a go. I think you should
0: give it a go. But vulnerability I think is our generation is more popular for sure.
1: I was chatting to my girlfriends last night about this subject, saying (laughs) I had to come up with some stuff on vulnerability and agreed that we were a little bit, you know, less worried about people's mental health. I mean, it wasn't really disgust or depression or you didn't sort of say, how are you today? Are you feeling okay? That's more of a thing that you, your generation does, which is great.
0: Yeah. I guess in your day, people didn't really think too much and they just got together with their partners. But I would say there's a lot of couples of your era that don't communicate well.
1: Mm. Like there would
0: be couples of your age that don't tell each other how they really feel. And I would say there would be people, you know, like men that are hiding parts of themselves or hiding things that they don't want to talk about and pushing their emotions down. And I don't think that's healthy. And I think deep and beautiful relationships are built on like being able to share that stuff. Yes. Like I think of Ruby and I. If Ruby and I were like sisters that never shared about real stuff, well, we wouldn't be as close as we are.
1: Don't forget Alice.
0: Oh. <laughs> Alice and Ruby. Sorry. Both, I, Thank you. But both of them. But I mean, I'm just saying because Ruby's listening right now, Alice doesn't listen
1: to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's true.
0: If the three sisters didn't have that vulnerability, which we do have, we couldn't tell each other anything, we wouldn't have the same sister relationship that we do have. So I think that it is special to build that kind of relationship. Yes. Yeah, it
1: is. So. And and Ted Lasso must be a thing because it says, Ted Lasso has a message for everyone, get you a man like Roy Kent. Yeah. Yeah, he's obviously made... He's made a splash.
0: It's like he's sexy, but he's vulnerable as well. Mm. There's like this scene where he hugs a man and it's just there's a lot of beautiful scenes with with Roy. You've got to watch it. It will grow on you. I, I will promise. Watch it. Okay. Do you
1: know when I met Rob, one thing that really stuck with me was his dad mm-hmm. always kissed him. Hello, Bobbo. Yeah. And I actually hadn't seen that before. I loved that. Is that vulnerability? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, vulnerability is um emo- is um
1: so confusing. Um... Oh god,
0: vulnerability <laughs> is showing up and being seen is what Brene Brown says. I think of it as like you're afraid to say something with someone that you trust. This is how I would describe it. Like I you've got see. something that you need to say and something that you want to share, but you're afraid to reveal that side of you to someone you trust, not to a stranger. But you do it anyway. That's sort of how I see it. But okay. here we go. Another definition, Mark Manson. Vulnerability is consciously choosing to not hide your emotions or desires from others. You just freely express your thoughts, feelings, desires. Yeah.
1: Mm. Unless you're blocked like me.
0: <laughs> well, I feel like we're we're opening the jar. And once my therapist says once the jar's open, you can't put the lid back
1: on. So that's a jar. I've got a box.
0: Well, he <laughs> says <laughs> same thing (laughs) you loser all right that's it that's enough on vulnerability all right we'll see you in two weeks
1: see you if
0: you made it this far i'm hoping that you enjoyed the podcast if you could subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review that would be much appreciated it really helps other people find the podcast not that i'm desperate or anything